0: Welcome to another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Dory Berenstein loves what she does, and why not? The four-time Tony-winning producer and Emmy Award-winning director has a slew of credits to her name. We'll get to the nitty-gritty in a minute, but a brief synopsis: Raised in L.A., Dory came east to attend Smith College. That was followed by the Kennedy School at Harvard and later Yale School of Drama. She subsequently founded a small film company and began producing movies, supervising production on one of the best. Films films ever, Dirty Dancing. That was followed by an opportunity to run a division of Walt Disney Imagineering, supervising its theme park movies. Then it was off to New York to add Broadway producer to her resume. That side of Dory's business life began with Bill Irwin and David Shiner's Full Moon and includes the productions of Thoroughly Modern Millie, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, The Crucible, Flower Drum Song, Legally Blonde, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, and the musical The Prom. Dory didn't give up her film and TV producing career. Her small screen credits include a series with Alan Cumming, another with Isaac Mizrahi, and spearheading Bill Clinton's post-presidential website. On the film side, Dory wrote, directed, and produced six documentaries, among them Carol Channing, Larger Than Life, Marvin Hamlish: What He Did for Love, and got a Dance. That's enough. Let's meet and get to know this TV, film, and theater powerhouse story. Welcome, and thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks, Sandy. So nice to be here. So, you left L.A. to come east to go to one of the seven sister schools. Did you want to go to Smith, or did you want to be in Boston? Um, actually, I was going to go to Stanford.
1: and um, In your neighborhood? <laughs> in, in my neighborhood, and my, my parents said to me, you know... You're gonna spend your entire life in California. You should experience the East Coast. You should experience the leaves changing. You should go East to school. And the dream school that my mom always dreamed of going but couldn't afford to was Smith. And they had an amazing gymnastics team. (laughs) And I was a gymnast at the time and a fabulous gym. And um, that really was (laughs) the major selling point to me. I mean, great academics and all that, but that really was the most exciting element. And uh, so I thought, you know, I'll do this. I'll experience the East. I'll see what the snow thing is all about. (laughs) And
0: And then I'll go to graduate school at Stanford. But that just... You mentioned gymnastics. That was something that you thought you would pursue in terms of a career? Oh, it, no, no, not as a career. Oh, I so was you weren't just, going to co- the Olympics.
1: Uh, uh, well, I was a competitive gymnast and, uh-huh. and certainly had a- those aspirations, but didn't make it quite that far.
0: So obviously it clicked, you and the East Coast, because as I mentioned, then came Harvard and then came Yale. So this match made sense. Oh, I love I love the East Coast. I love the weather. I love uh,
1: you know. It it got me close to Broadway finally. You know, (laughs) Um, but I did I did um, after school in the East. I did come back to uh, Los Angeles to work at Disney and uh, some of the other studios for a while before
0: really uh, moving permanently to the East. When you went to Harvard, did you anticipate expect to work in business?
1: No, I had been an investment banker in m and at Morgan Stanley right out of school because when I graduated from college, that really was the job to have. And all my mentors told me, get a foundation in business. In business. Whatever mm-hmm. you do, that's
0: going to be valuable. Because it'll always stick with you. Yeah.
1: And, it, and, and it's not at all what I wanted to do, but I, I saw the logic in that. And it really has been an invaluable vocabulary to have, Mm -hmm. you know, and um, knowledge base to
0: have. So I'm so glad I did that. But it wasn't the dream. Where did this dream come from? Growing up, were you a movie and theater addict, even though you were out on the West Coast? Where did this come from? Well, I was very, very fortunate
1: because my parents took me to theater Um, When I was very little, I remember, you know, seeing puppet shows at age three and Carol Channing in Hello, Dolly! at the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion in L.A. Mm -hmm. when I was uh, five years old. And that really, for me, was the big turning point that I just knew I had to be part of that world. And what captivated me more than anything was the imagining what was going on backstage to, to put the show on. Cause, oh. You know, I, it was like, how how did that work? How did this how work? Did how do they do this, yeah, right? Uh-huh. exactly. So, you know, it was just magical to me. And um, so it was both film and theater for me that that I was deeply passionate about growing up, but it was always the producing and directing side. It was never about being in front of the camera or on stage. And so when you went to Yale... That was to hone your craft. Backing up to answer your first question, I went to Harvard um, specifically to the Kennedy School, focused on public policy and the arts, and really wanted to understand, you know the the history of government support of the arts and and how that fell apart. <laughs> I also on the side was, passionate about foreign policy and wanted yeah, to Yeah, a lot uh, of interest. So. You know, so, so I just thought, if, if I'm not going to study this now, when will I ever do it? So, mm-hmm. you know And David Gergen was my professor. Robert Reich was my professor. It was oh, amazing. Uh-huh. I just loved every second of it. And Yale, I went to Yale School of Drama because um, I had already started my career as a Broadway producer, and I was already um, in the world of film, but Yale offered a program uh, that was a visiting scholar every year that would have complete access to Yale uh, the Yale School of Drama you could take whatever you want and just immerse yourself in, in learning there and not with the usual parameters of what you have to do to complete you know uh, certain requirements and I had arrived on Broadway as a producer and didn't really get the economics. I didn't understand, you know, how how the history of the economics of Broadway came together and how uh, the, all the different labor requirements, everything. It just it wasn't logical to me given um, some of my background in business and finance at that mm-hmm. point, and I wanted mm-hmm. to make sense of it because
0: it's very risky, obviously. Well, it's very
1: risky. It's very complex, and and um, and I. This also ties into my work and, you know, the the support of the arts and all of that. And so um, the, Yale allowed me to just dive in and really, really understand um, the business of Broadway. Uh-huh. And that's really what I spent a year studying. And then uh, while I was there, I was able to take lighting design and directing, and and uh, some acting, and just have a lot of fun. Um, just uh, kind of rounding out my, my while still absorbing
0: plays. all of these different facets yes. of what it means to put on a play. I I loved it, and I loved the people. It was an incredible experience. But I'm struck by, and I've had a couple of women producers on my program. Why did you want to be a producer? What exactly does that mean? Being
1: a producer uh, is like being the CEO of a company. And it's putting together the company from a blank page and 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 crewing it and 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 you know, hiring your personnel, figuring out what it is you're selling, marketing what you're selling. it's, right. it's basically running this company. and it's and it's running this company forever because, you know hopefully you'll have you'll launch the show on you know, Broadway, and it will take years to get there, Right, and but then it will have many, many, many years, and then hopefully an international life that will follow. So you are running this company. Uh, and to me, that kind of pulled together all of my experience and also my passion to be part of theater. I I think as, a, as someone who is a storyteller and a director, I don't have um, the, the training and necessarily the vision to do that kind of work in theater I think that you know I'm surrounded by others that are just really are brilliant and mm. I'm in awe of their talent in that mm-hmm. area as a as a storyteller and a, a director I'm much more comfortable in the world of film I I, I can see what I the story I want to tell and I can I can d- deliver it I can get there I, I don't I can't sing. (laughs) It would be scary to even try. And I I can't dance. So, you know, I don't have that same um, skill set for theater. And so my... My experience in business and finance and marketing and my passion, my deep passion for uh, the art of, of theater uh, really is what, what all comes together th- that gives me um, the focus to be a Broadway producer.
0: For the lack, of, this is not maybe the greatest verb to use, but is it easier to tell a story in film, through film?
1: A storytelling uh, it, to me is magical no and and complicated and thrilling in any medium but some stories really need to be told on stage and some stories need to be told you know on, screen. on the big screen mm-hmm. and and so it really depends on the story you're telling and it really is what is the most uh, the most effective way the most impactful way to tell a particular story and so sometimes it just screams stage mm-hmm. and, and and sometimes you know it's a something that i I rethink and think, you know, wow, this is is much better if it's a more intimate story that's told on film.
0: But do you not step back and look at your life in terms of the accomplishments and what you've done and how you seamlessly moved from one area to another? Does that not... Give you pause,
1: you know? Uh, no, I, I've never paused to think about it. To me, it's really about storytelling, and storytelling is the umbrella. And and I was very fortunate early in my career to have experiences both in film and theater, and and television, and internet, and all these different areas. And so, to me, it's where does the story belong, and and who were who can I surround myself with in terms of people with incredible talent Mm -hmm. um,
0: that can help bring these stories to life, whether it's on stage or on screen. Yes. As I mentioned also in the introduction, you subsequently founded a small film company. That's a big deal.
1: Uh, when you look I, you back, know, come on, don't you? That's another thing I didn't think very much about. I think I had a lot of uh, wonderful opportunities to have female role models early on. Um, not in theater, actually, uh, but in film. Um, as you mentioned, one of the, the first films I was very involved in was Dirty Dancing. And the lead producer of that film um, is female. Mm-hmm. The, the writer... Is female and it's about a young girl coming of age story. So it was, it was very female centric. And so you know, and um, you know that was a wonderful uh, launching professional experience that, it didn't give me the impression that there were any parameters on, on what I or any roadblocks, right? Roadblocks. I should just do what I want to do, and that's also how I was raised.
0: But not for nothing. I mean, Dirty Dancing happened quite some time ago and i wonder if back then it was considered an anomaly look uh, at all those broads working on that film uh, and also about this coming of age I beautifully think exactly done be, but, you, know.
1: you know i was also at a small production company and you know wasn't held back as a as a very young woman mm-hmm. uh, that that was you know an executive in the company and then went on to disney and other places where You know, and uh, being
0: female was never a...
1: uh, a, road a roadblock a uh, roadblock and
0: you never and so you never experienced any of that
1: I first became aware of uh, that it was uh, unique to be female uh, um, this was years ago and right. hopefully it's not that way today but I'd say in some of the work that I did in the, the area of special effects filmmaking um, I was often the only female in the room and I was very aware there and actually going back further as an investment banker at Morgan Stanley that hello was, that was definitely a yeah. male dominated world that was the you know, I'm that, sure the biggest yeah, division of very um, uh, at that time, particularly um, the, that was very male dominated. I'd say that um, when I started to produce Broadway shows, and that's going back over 25 years, mm-hmm. um, it was a very different world here. You know, it was there were there were very, very few females. Uh, so I also became aware of that then. I never it was never an obstacle
0: it and no was, one ever gave
1: you a hard time. And no one ever, ever that too, that I'm aware of. Yeah, too, yeah. Um, mm-hmm, but, mm-hmm. but it was, uh, you know, I'm so excited with, uh, you know, the direction Broadway's moved and so many other industries have moved. In the course of
0: interviewing dozens and dozens of women, I have also interviewed a lot of female filmmakers, which is very exciting. But what's also very interesting about that is most of them are documentary filmmakers. I happen to be... A documentary junkie, because what you learn from seeing another human being struggle or be happy or whatever it is on on the big screen is just can't be diminished.
1: Oh, I agree. I, I love documentary films, and as a, a filmmaker, you know it. It is there stories that, speaking for myself, that I need to tell. You know, and because of how the technology has evolved, you can literally. You know, take your camera and run and start, start making a film. And mm-hmm. so it's it, it's very accessible. Um, I'll also, I think because my career started in features and and then at Disney and special effects and and all of that. As a mother, as a mom mm-hmm. um, raising kids, I couldn't go off on location for two months. Right, uh, and so I was able to continue my career as a filmmaker, uh, making documentaries really on my terms, mm-hmm. and, uh, uh, and so I think I leaned into that um, not 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 instead of because it's what it, the only thing I was able to do, but in addition to. It, but it's it, it was practical and it was also so many stories I wanted to tell and I was able to to express myself um, creatively in that medium in
0: a way that just was so thrilling and satisfying. To me. And is that still your mo? Moving from you know Broadway to film, not so much television, right? Uh, I did a lot of television
1: and I'm I'm in the midst of. Um, I'm uh, doing some things in that area uh, mm-hmm. right now and def- and also launching a new film. So, yeah,
0: it's it's everything all at the same so time. So you can juggle a lot of balls in the air at the same time, can't you? It's fun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting for you to say yes and I'm also in the Big Apple Circus. You know. <laughs> Is there one show, one film that sticks out? Is there anything that just was so seminal in your life when it comes to your work?
1: Oh my goodness! Um, well, on the f- on the film side, we'll do both sides. Um- um, dirty Dancing certainly was impactful, and it was just an incredible learning curve for me. Mm-hmm. And I just was thrown into the fire. What
0: year was that again, even though I should um, know 1987. that? 1987. 87, okay. Mm-hmm.
1: I was able to just learn everything in the world and, and just was given so much um, responsibility at such a young age, so that was thrilling. Um, but I think in terms of my own films, there, it's kind of a tie. The first one, I'd say, is the first documentary film that I... Directed and produced, um, called "Show Business: The Road to Broadway," and I had been inspired by uh, William Goldman's book "The Season" that I had read while while I was in college about the. He went behind the curtain for the nineteen sixty eight Broadway season mm-hmm. and uh, wrote all about it for a year. And I always thought, you know, one day maybe um, I'll I'll take a camera and do the same thing, but create a film about that. And I had been producing for. Uh, quite a while at that point and knew the community and really knew how I wanted to bring that story to life and felt that I had the access Mm -hmm. to be able to do it. And so dove in and also had had experience at that point behind the camera as a director. Um, and so I knew my way around that side of things, and so it was kind of random that that was the year that I said, "Okay, I'm ready to do this." This mm-hmm. lifelong passion that I really have, a story I've always wanted to tell, and it happened to be the year of Wicked, Avenue Q, Carolina or Change. Yeah, that and was taboo. Wow, <laughs> I got so <laughs> lucky. But it was really random that it it that was the year that I said, "Okay, now let's let's do this." And so that whole experience and really living in our community behind the curtain for a year um, on every show, you know, there were 38 shows that season and, and really going deep with many of them. Right. Uh, it was ex- an extraordinary experience and I learned so much um, and it was really a love letter to Broadway. It was a celebration of our community and there are so many relationships that I have as a, as a producer today that uh, uh, have come from that year, you know, that people that, uh, because I was in everybody's business, people (laughs) that I I got to know that I have stayed close with and that I've, you know, pursued because I wanted to work with them after that
0: experience. On the opposite side of that, what happens during some of the years when it wasn't a glory year for Broadway, which did do some suffering? There are peaks and valleys.
1: Yes, I think there are, but I think that we're in a, a period of time now where it, Broadway is so accessible, and there have been some amazing shows that have have just uh, opened the doors to the community and made um, everything we have here just so much more exciting and uh, attractive to people who didn't realize it was all there before. Right. You know, it hasn't changed that much, but it's just they're aware of it. So whether it's Wicked or Hamilton or Dear Evan Hansen, uh, or uh, you know, their shows. That people now on a national level are aware of and, and seek out, and um, I mean, internationally, Broadway has, has obviously has had an impact for for a long time. But I think that we're in this period of time where where we are really a destination, and mm-hmm. it's really a, th- uh, a medium that um, um, so many younger people are embracing. You a, feel that a way because
0: sometimes I'm in the audience and I look around and I only see me. Uh,
1: well, you know, I'm I'm very aware of the impact shows like Glee and Smash and, and some of these big musicals have had in, 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 in the show that I have on Broadway right now, Prom. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people that are there that are experiencing Broadway for their first time, and I'm so honored that they're at our show having that experience. Mm-hmm. And so there there are a lot of entry shows, put it that way, mm-hmm. not, not that that's what we are, but but that that are drawing people that typically don't go to Broadway, and so I think that it's expanding our audience, and so they have a great, incredible time and they want to see something else and something else and something else. Yeah, it
0: turns them on. I remember going to see Spamalot and looking around and being so excited mm-hmm. to see so many males in, yeah, the, in, in, right. in, the, in the audience, mm-hmm. which is not that common. But talk about prom and you know, sure. tell us how you gave birth to this. <laughs> well, uh, these, these Broadway
1: shows are behemoths. They take a long <laughs> time, and particularly giant musicals. Almost eight years ago, um, uh, Casey Nicola, uh, who I had, uh, we had become friendly when um, I was a producer on Thoroughly Modern Millie. Casey was a dance captain, and he was in the ensemble. And uh, we had been talking about, wouldn't it be great to find a project to work together? And so he said, "I have something. I have something. We should get together." And I met with Casey and uh, Bob Martin and Chad Beglin and Matthew Sklar. at Bar Centrale, and they said, okay, here's the idea, and they basically pitched a couple lines that it was an idea that Jack Fertel had had, mm-hmm. uh, basically about a girl who wants to take her girlfriend to the prom, and the PTA responds by canceling it, and then there's this <laughs> group of Broadway divas who who are uh, in a show that um, sadly is closing on opening night, Eleanor the Musical, and they need. Uh, they decide that they need a cause to help resurrect their uh-huh. careers, and mm-hmm. also because they want to do something good in the world. And they they find out about this girl in Indiana, um, and they swoop down to save the day, and of course make things far worse, um, <laughs> initially at least. So they pitch this uh, idea that Jack Vertel had had, and. And I'm sitting here looking at these magical people who I adored so much. I had, was already working with Bob and Chad and Matt uh, on another musical at the time. And, uh, and you know, I, I, I loved the subject. I loved the idea of this. Uh, I, I, I loved the statement it was making about... Um, Acceptance and tolerance. Uh-huh. And looking at this incredible group of people, I knew that they could bring this story to life in a beautiful, beautiful way. So it was literally in
0: the moment, yes, we're doing this. So from the first time that they contacted you to opening night, how long was that process? It was over seven and a half years. No kidding. And um, yes. and
1: Bill Demashke, um quickly joined me as a co-producer. And so that's not mm-hmm. unusual that it takes that long, right. No, Ass- it's assuming not. that is,
0: is something is not a revival.
1: Uh, I don't know what the average might be, but it, maybe it's closer to five or six years. Mm-hmm. But uh, I've worked on a show that's taken almost 10 years. I've done a show that uh, was five years. So, you know, I think in the ballpark, it's not unusual because uh, it's it's a process. It takes time. And it really, when I think about all the different stages, um, the prom really evolved. Mm-hmm. and And it was influenced by not just time passing but how the world evolved and so you know I would not in hindsight I'm so glad the show is opening when it is Mm -hmm. um, and you know it needed that time to gestate and find its
0: voice. Did it have runs outside of New York City?
1: We did an out-of-town um, two years ago in and Atlanta, which was a, a spectacular uh, success, success mm-hmm. and, and an incredible experience for the show. The Alliance Theater was amazing, mm-hmm. and uh, really, we we were able to um, uh, do a great deal of work on the show and refine it, and it, it just uh, took off from there.
0: What does it mean to be the lead producer?
1: Well... Uh, raising the funds for a Broadway show is the, a necessary thing to do. Right, but it's Herculean, isn't it, it? It's Herculean. It's so not the biggest part of producing a show. No kidding. Um, it, definitely not. It, it's something you have to do uh, because these things take money unless mm-hmm. you have a, a studio in your back pocket. Um, uh, unless you're Disney. Uh, yeah, but it. there are... Uh, important steps along the way whether you're getting gearing up to do your out-of-town or you're gearing up for even before that an initial lap you know you need these things cost money and particularly a big musical with a big cast you 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 have to finance this whole thing and so um, yes a lead producers responsibility does include raising the financing for the show being responsible for that having the fiduciary responsible for that and in pulling together co-producers f- for the show, um, Is that another me- word
0: for investor?
1: Uh, well, they're co producers and then they're investors. Mm-hmm. Um, Angels, right? Uh, yes. A co producer could be somebody who's writing a big check who just shows up at opening night. But a co producer, in the way that Bill and I like to produce, really is somebody who also is engaged and involved because it, to us, it's almost like casting, mm. putting together a, a core team of co producers who are supporting the evolution and launch of the show. They're not involved creatively. Um, Uh, but they're involved in the marketing they're involved in the outreach they're involved in uh, so many different areas and hopefully you have at least how we like to do it we have a group of co-producers on the prom that's extraordinary and so many of them come from really interesting walks of life that bring a skill set to the show that we don't have and expand our reach expand our thinking Mm -hmm. that bring expertise that's really extraordinary and invaluable to um, putting a show out there so we're we're thrilled to have uh, co-producers, and then each of these co-producers are responsible for bringing financing to the table. Some of them write checks, and some of them raise the money. Mm-hmm. And so those are all the investors, the angels uh, that that uh, you need to to put on the show to, mm-hmm. to raise the full capitalization. Mm-hmm. But it really is putting together a team. And
0: not every producer works that way. It's just how we like to work. Maybe there's the stereotype of the producer coming in and, I don't like that, you know, <laughs> I don't want, you know, Patty Lapone here or whatever. You know, that kind of nonsense. That it's very overly theatrical in terms of the behind the scenes, which is really. No, the,
1: the behind the scenes is often very theatrical. But it's <laughs> but not in, not in, at least on our shows, not in that way. We really love the
0: collaboration. It's something we treasure. When you have something like The Prom going on, you have fingers in other pies? Well, right now, because we literally just opened a few weeks ago,
1: right. um, it's, it's quite all-consuming. Swashing over you, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> and so we're working on it 24-7, literally. Mm-hmm. Um, but well, but I, Why? The, you never stop when you have a show that's... Uh, up and running Mm -hmm. it's it's marketing the show we we just completely redid our whole marketing campaign we have amazing relationships with a lot of organizations not-for-profit organizations and we're uh, those uh, are very important to us and so we're developing those programs you know we you have to fill the theater every night so it's (laughs) uh, so it's getting the Tickets worked out, it's the the advertising, it's the press, it's the... Um, so it
0: takes a while to exhale,
1: doesn't it? It's a, yes. I mean, it's kind of endless. And then ultimately you start thinking about your national tour. You start thinking about uh, London and beyond. We are actually uh, in the final moments of getting our cast album ready for release. Um, Matthew Sklar and Chad Beglin just... Hit it out of the park. Hit it out of the park. Mm-hmm. And so
0: there's a lot involved in, in the release of that. So it's just endless. <laughs> yeah. I was just going to say, it's just non-stop. Yeah. I don't want to put a damper on this, but I just thought of something too. What about reviews? What is that like when here you are, you're so excited about something and you so believe in it, and that doesn't mean that you still don't, and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden somebody just, I was going to say with the pen yeah. <laughs> or the typewriter, but the computer just says, this sucks. Well, I th- it's it's very hard. <laughs> I've been
1: in both places, and um, it's thrilling when the world sees your show as you do. Right. And with prom, we just got rave after rave after rave after rave. It was absolutely the most extraordinary <laughs> evening uh, as these reviews came in, and uh, joyous. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, it, I, I've been on shows where that hasn't happened that way, and You know, some sometimes um, you feel that they they just didn't get it, and then you know maybe you realize
0: maybe you didn't get it. Think of it. Do you think?
1: Yeah, there was more work to do. Mm -hmm. That that uh, it could have been stronger in certain areas. You know, there's it's such a fragile thing, and uh, at the end of the day, you just do the best you can and make the best possible show you can and, mm-hmm. and hope that it finds its audience.
0: My kids would always say to me, what do you care what Ben Brantley said? <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, Ben Brantley loved it, I would say, and they would just completely cut me down for something yeah. like that. What do you see in um, Dory's future? And and also talk a little bit, too, about your um, your support of the arts. I didn't mean to mm-hmm. be dismissive of that because that's so huge.
1: Uh, Sure. Um, I have several Broadway shows that are in very early stage development. Uh, One is based on a a book that uh, I'm extremely excited about. Uh, that actually, my daughter, who's an up-and-coming director, is attached to direct, which oh. I'm so excited about. Hereditary, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> the genes, uh-huh. and and, uh, and then uh, a couple others. That one based on a film I was involved in, and another uh, that um, uh, I've been asked to produce. So a uh, lot of lot of things brewing that I'm very excited about, but early stage, right? And uh, and there's there's so much focus that needs to happen on prom to to continue to uh Bring it out to the world. So <laughs> that's an you know. open-ended
0: run, correct? Yeah. Oh I yeah, mean, yeah. Hopefully, it'll we'll it, it be good for, for years, right? Decades,
1: <laughs> decades. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, on the film side, I am launching a new documentary film, and uh, and then there uh, there are a few other. Um, there's a possible television series, and a um, few other things that are in the work. So, I am does um, Dory Berenson ever not do anything? I wonder. Uh, oh no, I'm having fun. I'm I'm doing your, exactly what I want to be doing and, and enjoying it, and I'm surrounded by people. I adore and love working with, so it's uh, it's a nice time. <laughs> and the arts, what is the focus of that? The arts, to me, uh, uh, just shape. A human being, and give them compassion and empathy. As as uh, actually, Chris Sieber, as a character in in The Prom, says, um, and Carol Channing, who I uh, had the the honor of uh, making a film about years ago, uh, always says that the arts are like fertilizer on the brain. Hmm. And I believe that so deeply. And and I've seen over and over again um, in life how people who have the arts in their life are changed. And, and that's true. And yes. are just deeper thinkers. And and far are more compassionate and understanding. And that's why they have programs like like uh, the Arts in Prisons to help uh, with recidivism and, and all of that. Uh, so I really believe deeply in it. And it's one of the reasons I um, co-founded Camp Broadway years ago with Susan Lee uh, just to uh, help um, bring the arts to kids all around the world and get them not not to train them to become Broadway superstars, but to expose them, but right? But to get them to have a, a theatrical experience of mm. their own and to realize the power of the arts and to make the arts part of their life, you know, as theater goers. Um, and and uh, so that that means a great deal to me. And we're doing a lot right now uh, on the prom. Uh, to bring in younger audiences, audiences that might not otherwise get to see a Broadway show. That is huge for, f- to me, to our whole company. We believe in that so deeply, and it's an Im- important story and an important message that um, we feel could, in addition to you know being a great, f- fun, thrilling mm-hmm. musical comedy, mm-hmm. um, also can make the world a better place, because it's I can't imagine a more important message of acceptance and tolerance and and um, and love uh, which is what our show is about and so especially in today's world in today's world you know getting that out there and and to uh, for a younger audience that that
0: can um, embrace that message I think is crucial what a great way to end but here's something that I'm throwing out with all the things that are coming down the pike for you will you come back Sure. I'd be happy to. And we can do a a part two, (laughs) three, four, and five. (laughs) Thank you. Dory, it was such a pleasure to meet and get to know you. You do great things. And thanks to you, we get to see great things. Thank you so much. So this was just really very exciting for me. And thank you for what you do. Thank you. The pleasure was mine. Join us for another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein.